The following programming is sponsored by the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation. The views expressed do not necessarily reflect the views of this station, its management, or Beasley Media Group. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Positively Pro-Life, a podcast brought to you by the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation. Positively Pro-Life brings you important legislative updates, inspirational stories, and informative interviews as we restore and strengthen a culture of life. My name is Bonnie Finnerty. I'm the Education Director at the Federation, and I am joined today by my esteemed colleague, Maria Gallagher, the Legislative Director. Hello, Maria. Hello, Bonnie. It's so good to be with you today. So good to be with you. Well, today we are welcoming back a most special guest, a woman who's been fighting to protect life in many different ways for over 40 years, and it all began when she was a nurse and found a child who survived an abortion. In light of the recent discovery in Washington, DC of babies who may have died through infanticide, we're going to be talking to Marianne Lahan, who will share her own story and that of baby John, whose voice she has become. In addition, Maria will provide insight on in how Mississippi's attorney general is waging the fight for life. First, however, we'll kick off today's podcast with a brief inspiration. Now, Maria and I are wrapping up our first Truth U Tour. It's a presentation that we give on college campuses around the state. We call it Truth U because we are very aware of the pro-abortion narrative that dominates our media and finds its way onto our college campuses. We believe every college student deserves to know the truth, to hear the facts, and to be empowered to choose life and to fight for life. So this spring, we partnered with Students for Life chapters in, at Pennsylvania universities, and we were able to take three road trips to speak on campuses. Our first trip was to King's College in Wilkes-Barre, our second to Temple University in Philadelphia, and our third to Penn State main campus in State College. Well, let me tell you, we were so impressed by the college students who welcomed us and who attended our presentations. These are very busy college students who not only carve out time out of their schedule to advocate for life, but they also exhibit extraordinary courage and persistence. They often encounter obstacles and resistance on their campuses in their mission to promote and protect life, yet they don't give up. They are smart, they're compassionate, they're informed, and they're brave. In meeting them, we were inspired and edified. They are a sign of hope and they are the pro-life leaders of tomorrow. So what did we talk about? Well, at Truth U, we discovered or we discussed Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health, the case involving Mississippi's 15-week abortion ban that's in front of the Supreme Court and could possibly overturn Roe v. Wade. And we discussed the critical importance of passing the life amendment, an amendment to the PA constitution, which would state that there is no right to abortion or right to taxpayer funded abortion in our constitution. And we also talked about fetal development following the science of embryology. And by their request, we also talked about Planned Parenthood. This was a topic they really wanted to know about because Planned Parenthood really targets the college population. So we unmasked the well-disguised purveyor of disinformation and the largest abortion provider. Now, these college students were not only attentive and courteous and engaged, 
They asked excellent follow-up questions, and they also um, vocalized their desire to continue to learn more and to be more involved in the pro-life movement. They swarmed our education table, they took away a lot of print materials, and they also took away our 12-week-old fetal models, which serve as a beautiful teaching tool about the sanctity of human life. We hope to travel to more universities this spring if the logistics work out, um, and we're hopeful that perhaps this is something we could continue in the fall. Uh, at that time, we will have a little more information on Dobbs, and our presentation would reflect that. So we want to give a big shout out and thank the students, uh, the Students for Life chapters at King's Temple and Penn State for welcoming us and for their amazing pro-life advocacy. Maria, is there anything that you want to add about our Truth You Tour? I thought the Truth You Tour was so encouraging and these young people are really on fire for the cause of life. And in fact, one young gentleman handed me his business card and said he would like to be on our board of directors. So that's how engaged they are. And they are really and truly an inspiration to us all. And I think that uh, the pro-life movement is in good hands with them at the helm. I agree, I agree. Well, thank you, Maria. You're welcome, Bonnie. And Bonnie, I'd like to now uh, turn to our legislative update. The following is a statement from Mississippi Attorney General Lynn Fitch, who is defending Mississippi's 15-week abortion ban in the Dobbs case before the U.S. Supreme Court. Key argument, the true meaning of empowering women and promoting life. There is a misinformation campaign underway to smear the good intentions of pro-life legislators. The New York Times recently ran a guest essay claiming, without any evidence, the pro-life legislators are plotting to lock up women as criminals. Salon published similar claims, concluding, a lot of folks remain surprised that a woman would back a law that literally wants to punish pregnant women by imprisoning them. Not only are these claims blatantly false, but abundant evidence exists to the contrary. Pro-life legislators and the American people have no desire to turn women into criminals. In fact, we are looking for ways to uplift women who face the challenging circumstances that lead them to contemplate abortion. We seek solutions that empower women and promote the life of their children. Now is the time to find common ground. We should be discussing how we can work together to expand workplace flexibility, offer better childcare options, improve enforcement of child support obligations, and provide more opportunities for women seeking a better life for themselves and their families. It is counterproductive to cast wildly unfounded aspersions and so fear that drives us further apart. And again, those were the words of Mississippi Attorney General Lynn Fitch. Bonnie. Thank you, Maria. It's my pleasure to introduce today's guest. Marianne Lahan is the executive director of the documentary, The Voice of John, an effort to fulfill a promise she made to a little baby after he had been aborted and left to die on a dirty utility room counter. She promised to be his voice and describes a major purpose of her life was to be the voice of John. A native of Scranton, she graduated from Scranton State General Hospital School of Nursing and attended the University of Scranton. A holistic practitioner, she went on to become certified in massage therapy and therapeutic touch. 
Her love for geriatrics and working with the elderly motivated her to become certified as a validation worker, allowing her a unique and effective way to communicate with people in all stages of dementia. More recently, Marianne trained as a life coach, specializing work with women facing a crisis pregnancy, as well as patients and families with issues related to aging and dementia. Currently, the radio show host for JMJ Catholic Radio, The Voice of John with Marianne Lahan. She has a program uh, that addresses the issues of abortion, infanticide, euthanasia, and assisted suicide. She is the mother of four, the grandmother of seven, a nurse, a caregiver, the voice of a baby named John. Welcome, Marianne, to Positively. Thank you. For, I'm so honored to be part of this. This is a beautiful program. Thank you. Well, Marianne, the big news story not covered by the mainstream media this week or last week was the discovery of late-term aborted babies in Washington, D.C. These babies were viable, and one must wonder if they survived the abortion and were left to die, which would be infanticide. With that in mind and the calls for an investigation, would you share your own personal experience with this? You know, the voice of John has has addressed the issue of infanticide because yes, John was a victim of abortion by prostaglandin, but after he had been aborted and thrown on a dirty utility room counter and left to die, John became a victim of infanticide. And you know, I. I knew abortion laws had gone into it. I did not know that infanticide even existed until the minute I saw that little boy who had a soft little cry, who was squirming on the cold metal table to, to try to get back into a fetal position and get warm. And yes, after I lifted him, and held him and sang to him. John lived for hours with nothing but that blanket that I gave him. John's voice began that very morning when I went home and I went to my next door neighbor and otherwise in the dirty utility room. And Ultimately, I produced a documentary and it's called The Voice of John. And it, it is how John speaks out on issues of abortion and infanticide. I think it's important to know that at the time, um, well, the first year was like, oh God, why did you let me see something like this? But then afterwards, it was, God, why did you let me see John? And one of the things I learned to do was to lobby. And when I, uh, in Harrisburg, NDC, I heard other nurses and a physician give testimony. Um, one nurse talked about in the hospital where she worked, they would throw the placenta over the baby's face and suffocate the baby. Another nurse testified how she saw them drown the children after they were born alive. So gratefully in 2002, we had the Born Alive 
Infant Protection Act. And um, of course, it was countered with partial birth abortions, securing the, the delivery of a dead child. And um, quite honestly, when we think about it, perhaps the reason that abortion or infanticide have become so prevalent, um, so brutal, is because the witnesses are the participants in the crime. I, I have to say uh, the hugest thank you to is Lauren Handy and Teresa Bukovnak um, for taking this, taking this to the next level. They gave these five children that were found in the dumpster, they have names. They photographed it. I did see the, the images of these five babies. Obviously, they were far along in, in their development, uh, late second trimester, possibly early third trimester. We have the name of the person who killed the five children, Cesare Santangelo too noble a name for somebody who committed such crimes. And, you know, I think it's important to note that, that this man under oath, uh, or um, an undercover, I'm sorry, under an um, undercover conversation with live action, said that he would leave a child born alive to die. He would probably leave, I think, that these brave women, and also Father uh, Bill Kaczynski from um, Wheeling, West Virginia, who performed a funeral. So for not for the five, these five are still in the custody of the DC police, but for the other over a hundred babies that were found in that garbage that day. And the remains were given to this priest who provided a burial, a funeral. You know, these, these are children. They're babies. They're premature. They're humanity. They are the image and likeness of Christ. And they deserved a funeral. So thank you to Father for providing that for them. But I think all of this brings to the surface the hidden crime, um, hidden by our language. You know, we have the word abortion. Um, we know what we're referring to, but we can abort a, a plane flight or um, and anything that's stopped prematurely. It's killing children. It's killing children and, and blob of pregnancy tissue, the words that have been used to define it, the words in the law, women's protective health, there's nothing protective in the word that killing your child. It doesn't protect your health. It doesn't protect the baby for sure. Marianne, you felt when you saw that little boy on the counter who survived the abortion, you went to get help and nobody would help you. And right. you felt it was so important to offer him love and comfort in his final moments and to name him just just like these young women did recently with those five babies to, to give a name to give an identity you know yes. to honor the dignity of their short lives um 
And so that had a huge impact on you. And, and that's what has shaped the voice of John. So you have a documentary and you have a radio show called The Voice of John. Can you share with our listeners what your mission is moving forward with that? What have you been doing to build a culture of life and to carry the voice of John forward? Yes. You know, I, I always say, um, ask the Holy Spirit what you want, and you're never going to understand where he's taking you, you just say yes. Um, I never thought I would be hosting, nor did little John that day he lived, but um, we have a radio program, The Voice of John with Marianne Lawhon, and the issues we explore are have been infanticide through our interview with students. Our primary uh, mission is to take The Voice of John in an educational way, and you know, I, I speak with parents. Education starts very, very early, you know, when they're born uh, in, in regards to chastity at home and what magazines are laying around on the table. Those are, that's our first way of teaching. Going to elementary, uh, high school, junior high schools and colleges when we're, when we're involved. Um, but we, I think in the, this last quarter, we've done about 12 presentations in elementary and high school and junior high school. And, um, you know, our educational system is failing our children. They're not sending, setting a bar for them. They are doing a poor job in teaching them to honor their sexuality. So we need to counter that and be in our school and, and early elementary, what they're reading. But high school, they need torsion and the complications to their, there's been a great emphasis on chemical abortion um, as well in our educational efforts. But they need to hear the facts from somebody who's going to give them a, these facts with regards and, and respect for their bodies, because pro-life certainly is pro-woman, pro-man, pro-humanity, pro-love, and they need to understand um, that abortion is not an answer, and how we empower them, teaching them not only chastity, but peer counseling. What would you do? You know, Marianne makes some very important points here. And um, Bonnie, I, I think that uh, I've, I've been very inspired by listening to her talk about the voice of John and uh, what an impact that made on her life. Yeah, absolutely. I know uh, Marianne's been doing a lot of outreach at schools, a lot of presentations, a lot of talks that have um, had a great influence on the people in her community. Marianne, I have a question. What are your impressions of legislation such as the Maryland measure, which looks to expand abortion? You know, that is so disturbing to me, Maria. First of all, um, as a medical person, knowing the rights that would be taken away from doctors and nurses to be conscientious objectors to the procedure, 
um, expanding abortion. And that's why I, I truly believe that uh, Lauren and Teresa had such courage because people need to know what a late-term abortion looks like, what happens. We have, they're, they're diffusing the silence of uh, the language that's spoken by the pro-abortion groups and exposing it. So I, I honestly think that any mode would just prohibit such extreme in legislation, abortion till birth being legalized. Um, and our taxpayer funded dollars to actually, to, for me to think of a, a penny of mine going into the killing fields of abortion mills. So it's so disheartening. So I, I honestly think disclosures of what abortion and late-term abortion is, um, how brutal it is, how brutal, how painful for the child. I think that that is the kind of thing that's going to um, stop that legislation, stop it. It's, we cannot, as a country, we cannot condone the killing of the innocents. Marianne, why do you think legislation such as the Down Syndrome Protection Act is so important? Thank you. That is a, a question that's so precious to me. Um, you know, I spoke at one of our churches in Hazleton, and always when I speak, I always say something about Down syndrome. And it was right after this presentation at Holy Rosary that the altar server came up and he said to me in his very humble, beautiful way, thank you for standing for my side. And I gave a feeble, oh, you're so welcome. But I went home and it was haunting me. And so when I saw him the following week at church, I, I said to him, it's bothered me because why should I or anyone have to defend your life? It's so beautiful. You're such a good man and you are a light on that altar. And um, so I asked him what his name was. He said, my name is John. I said, oh, you've got to be kidding me. But uh, <laughs> since then, John has appeared on the Voice of John website. Um, we have a beautiful website, The Voice of John, full of educational material, video podcasts, and a matter of life, TV programs, radio programs. But John appeared um, on the program, A Matter of Life, and spoke to women who are challenged with that diagnosis during, during their pregnancy. You're carrying a child with Down syndrome. And he spoke in a way that I never could because he's walked the walk, and he spoke with such honesty and integrity about the challenges, but the beauty of his life. Catherine Riley is also on our uh, video podcast, on our radio program, and she's an educator with our group. So we have two very important members of our chapter of Pennsylvanians for Human Life with Down syndrome and their contributions to the voice of John to our society, to their churches. John is an altar server. Catherine is a Eucharistic minister. 
at her church. They're just such amazing people with such a gift. So the voice of John will always speak loudly, strongly for the sanctity of the beautiful lives of our Down syndrome population. We've got just about a minute left. Bonnie, would you like to ask a question? Sure. Um, I'm just wondering, uh, what is the reaction when you bring your message to the schools and you do so many different presentations? What sort of response do you get from your audience? Our students are phenomenal. Um, there's a, a little high school outside the Hazleton area, Marion Catholic High School. They're going to start a student for life group. Students are eager to know, they're shocked to hear this, the truths um, because they've been fed um, the lies. They see it on social media, but uh, students, I am so honored to speak to students. They are the pro-life generation. And like you said, I feel so wonderful to be growing old, leaving this mission to a generation that's so... And Marianne, where can people find the voice of John real quickly? Um, the Voice of John website, um, I, and I always tell people, say, put thevoiceofjohn2.org, and it'll take you to everything, the number two, the, and, and put the in, because some people will say, put Voice of John, put the in, and it'll take you right to the Voice of John, and you can radio programs, video podcasts, nation from grade school, elementary to high school. Very good. Marianne Lahan, the voice of John, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much. I was honored to be here with you too. Positively is made possible through the generous support of the members of the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation all across the Commonwealth. The Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation is the largest single-issue pro-life organization in the Keystone State with more than 40 local county-based chapters. We shine a spotlight on the most vulnerable individuals from the very dawn of life to the twilight of life. Thank you and remember there's always a reason to choose life.